Bible prophesies a peace agreement will be reached between the Israelis and the Palestinians. A 2,500-year-old prophecy in the news. And wokeism creeping into our churches. The Bible tells us to hold fast to the apostles' doctrine in the last days. I may preach a little on today's edition of The End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries, and I do thank you for joining me on this edition of The End Time Show. And I want to go over a prophecy that's in the news right now. They're talking about on just about every headline overseas, especially in the Israeli news sources. I want to go through that, and then I'm going to talk about wokeism and different um, Hollywood and different things creeping into our churches it's not where we want to go, folks. So I'm going to talk to you about it here in just a little bit. The final seven years uh, of the 490-year prophecy in Daniel 9, 24 through 27, the final seven years is described in Daniel 9, 27. And this verse contains the prophecy of the Middle East peace agreement that will mark the beginning of the final seven years. It says, And he, the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That's a seven-year period, a week of years. And in the midst of that seven-year period, in the midst of the week, he, the Antichrist, shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined, shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, there's a lot <laughs> included in this Daniel 9.27 verse, and we're going to get into that here in just a little bit because it's being talked about in the news and I want to explain that to you. But let me mention First Cup Coffee before we get into this. You know, you can imagine that everything that's going on in the news right now with all the prophecies happening, we essentially work around the clock to keep up with all of this. And sometimes we still miss things. But we're certainly energized and motivated by our God-given purpose. But thankfully we are also being fueled by First Cup Coffee. We have it upstairs every morning uh, in our break room. And, you know, these guys are good guys. They're Chris it's a Christian-owned Patriot Coffee Company out of Texas. And so that makes them good right off the bat, right? And they have 11 different roasts, and each one has a specific piece of American history named after it. It's pretty cool. And so go to firstcup.com. Use your code ENDTIME to get 10% off. If you subscribe, they'll give you an additional 10% off. So go to firstcup.com, use code ENDTIME to get 10% off today. Now, this peace agreement. So it is the Antichrist who confirms the covenant for this seven-year period. Now, folks, we're staring this right in the face. This is one of the, two, the next two events to occur on God's prophetic time clock. So what is the covenant? This is mainly what I want to talk to you about in this segment of my program. Back in Genesis 15, 18, it describes the covenant that God made with Abram at the time, later to become Abraham. It says, In the same day the Lord God made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, not Ishmael. You find that out as you go through the book of Genesis. It's going to be 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. At the time of this divine promise, Abraham was in the land of Israel. And the Abrahamic covenant was God's promise to Abraham that the promised land would belong to him and his descendants forever. And so I'm going to do a um, kind of a, uh, maybe a, a small deep dive into this. And then I want to show you how um, one of our former ambassador to Israel, David Freeman, talked specifically about this um, at, in the news recently. And I'm going to go through that because you need to know about this. This will be one of the most, once it happens, most of the world's going to miss it. But for those that follow prophecy, it's going to be one of the most recognizable prophecies and pivotal prophecies in the entire Bible. It's, it's the prophecy with a date on it. So I'm going to talk to you about that here just a little bit, little bit. But first I want to let you know, because I won't be on the radio tomorrow. Doug and Vince will be here tomorrow. And I want to let you know that I will be in Gainesville, Florida. My wife and I will travel to Gainesville tomorrow. And then we'll be at the Pentecostals of Gainesville, 8105 Northwest 23rd Avenue there in Gainesville. Most of you know Pastor Jimmy Tony and his wife. And they have, it's just a fabulous church. Looking forward to be there this weekend. Uh, this coming Saturday, March 2nd, we'll be there at 6 p.m. I'll be teaching the brand new Green Horseman and World War III lesson. Wow, is that relevant right now, especially with what's going on in the Middle East. I'll be giving you updates on that. Sunday morning, March 3rd at 10 a.m., we'll be going through some breaking prophecy news. And then the, the, uh, the fan favorite uh, is the Q&A session that happens uh, for about the last maybe 45 minutes or so of that. Uh, we'll have roving mics through the audience, and you can raise your hand, ask questions. We'll banter back and forth. It's always a blast. And uh, what a great time those prophecy conferences are. You can ask anything you want. And so uh, we'll, you know, except maybe when was the dinosaurs here and things like that. Uh, we're going to stick to prophecy, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So looking forward to seeing everyone in that surrounding area down there uh, in Gainesville, Florida this weekend. Okay, so what is the confirmation of the covenant? Well, when the Middle East Peace Agreement is signed, the Antichrist and the international community will confirm Israel's right to exist in the Holy Land. Presently, Israel's enemies, they deny that Israel has a right to a home in the land that God promised to Abram. Well, when the confirmation of the covenant takes place, at the time of the signing of this Palestinian-Israeli peace agreement, the final seven years to Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ will begin. Many things will be set in motion at that point. End Time Ministries is going to mail a magazine to every home in Israel. Three years into that final seven years, we will um, go on a door-knocking campaign, be sending email blast to the people in the West Bank saying, hey, you're going to have to flee when this abomination of desolation occurs. It's, called, it's our Warn the Jews project. Go to endtime.com, look up Warn the Jews, and you can check it out because very, very important project we are heavily invested in the people of Israel. And I know a lot of you support us in that effort because I'm not there just planting trees and things like that. I'm interested in the people. And so um, it's very, very important because there's going to be a, a second Jewish Holocaust in that region. Jesus prophesied about that, and we've got to warn them and help to try 
to save as many of them and get them over to Israel proper as we can. So, now, I want you to know that before I go into this news segment is that this is a 2,500-year-old prophecy. Daniel prophesied about this when he was in Babylonian captivity. And so, and I'm going through, I'm teaching through the book of Daniel with my class in Israel right now. And we're going to be putting out a new DVD series and book and different things on the book of Daniel. But wow, man, as you go through the book of Daniel in great detail, so many of those prophecies are concerning the time in which we live. And so um, we'll be coming out with that. I don't know when we're going to come out with it. I'm just teaching through it for the first time right now to the class in Israel. But wow, what a time that's going to be. Uh, and I, and I want to make sure you guys understand all that. But one of the characteristics of the prophesied peace agreement will be the creation of a Palestinian state in Judea or the West Bank. They're talking about it in the news every single day. Israel and United States news sources, European news sources. And historically and biblically, this area is referred to as Judea. And the agreement will also allow the Jews in Judea to remain as a Jewish minority under the new Palestinian state. I know we talk about this all the time, but I, you, I cannot allow you to miss this once it happens because it's very, very, very pivotal time in Bible prophecy. So we know that this is going to be the case from the prophecy that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 24, 15 through 18, and then verse 21. Jesus said, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. He, they knew exactly what he was talking about because they were up on the Mount of Olives overlooking the Temple Mount. Jesus said, Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea... When you see that abomination of desolation occur, let those which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop... Don't come down to go to take anything in your house. You just take off running. If you're in the field, don't go back into your house to get anything. You just grab your clothes and you hit the ground running. Why? Verse 21 tells us, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no nor ever shall be. So in this passage, Jesus is painting a picture for us, the ones who are living at the end of the age here, that the Jews living are, are going to be living under a hostile government in Judea. When the abomination of desolation occurs halfway through the final seven-year period, through this final seven-year agreement, the Jews living in Judea will have to flee for their lives. And this is what end-time ministries is going to be very influential in helping to happen because I don't know of anybody else on the earth that's even saying they're going to have to flee. The church, most people in the church believe we're going to be gone when this event happens and they'll be fending for themselves. Of course, we, you, hopefully you, by now all of you guys that listen to us know that that's simply not the case. We're going to be here helping those individuals. And this event, when they have to flee, that's going to, the, the abomination is going to launch the final three and one half years called the Great Tribulation. Okay? So amazingly, the scenario that Jesus painted 2,000 years ago is exactly what is, being, is presently being discussed in these ongoing peace negotiations and people that are proposing uh, peace plans and everything. It's happening. Many different people, Europe and different people are proposing these different peace plans. The Palestinians contend that the only hope for the peace between them and the Israel is a two-state solution. 
They claim that their, their state should be established in Judea or the modern-day West Bank. The United States, the European Union, and the United Nations all agree that the two-state solution is the only viable solution to this conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And even years ago, now he vehemently denies it, but, uh, or well, actually he um, rejects the two-state solution, but years ago, at a, at a Bar Alon speech, uh, Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu embraced the two-state solution as the ultimate answer to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Okay, so I want to get into the what happened with the former U.S. ambassador to Israel, uh, David Freeman, and in the Jewish News Syndicate. First, let me mention Birch Gold. You know, these world government enthusiasts, globalists, uh, at CPAC, they said, where globalism goes to die. Somebody understands the most important uh, issue in the next campaign, and that's globalism. I, I, I think it's Donald Trump. Because CPAC, their, their uh, motto this year was, where globalism goes to die. Well, globalism is the belief in a world governing body and everything that goes with that. These world government enthusiasts want to impose digital currencies and digital IDs on their respective populations. And this would allow officials and central bank digital currencies in governments to prohibit individuals from purchasing certain products or easily freeze or seize their, all of their money. So in essence, it enables the government or a central bank digital currency to take more control over your finances. Actually, absolute control. So there are some concerned Americans that are diversifying their assets into physical gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. If you want a, a, a physical asset held in a tax-sheltered retirement account, go to birchgold.com slash endtime to get your free info kit on gold. If you have an IRA, or let's say a 401k, from a previous employer, just gathering dust, uh, Birch Gold can help you convert that into an IRA in gold. You don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. So go to birchgold.com slash endtime and claim your free info kit on gold because if this digital currency, this central bank digital currency, becomes a reality for all, then you may wish you had some gold to fall back on. Okay, so let me get into this, uh, what happened with the Jewish News Syndicate. Many people are reporting on it. That the, the future of Judea and Samaria is what it's called. The uh, former U.S. envoy... Um, that the, he unveils a sovereignty plan. Again, I told you that there are many plans that are coming out right now um, saying, hey, we've got the solution to the Israel-Palestinian conflict. Here's our plan. There's many of them coming out. But there is a plan coming out in the near future. There will be a Palestinian-Israeli peace agreement in the near future, a two-state solution, or at least an autonomous situation for the Palestinians that will be put in place and it's going to last seven years in the near future. We have not, that has not been signed yet, but it is, it's one of the next two events on God's prophetic timeline. And I'm telling you folks, this stuff is happening so fast. Uh, it's really, really hard to keep up with all of it. So Israel, you guys know that they suffered the worst massacre in the history uh, in, on October 7th. My, myself and my wife and our tour group were there when it happened. So they suffered it at the hands of Hamas, an Iranian terror proxy 
that was voted into power and continues to be supported by the majority of the Palestinians in Gaza. So the attack provoked, uh, or I should say proved, long-standing Israeli fears that any independent Palestinian entity without overriding Israeli security control would become a staging ground for this just barbaric terrorism against the Jewish state. And now, as Israel fights to permanently remove Hamas, the U.S. is almost kind of against that uh, because they're trying for this ceasefire, which would be horrible for the Israelis. So a U.S.-designated terror organization, Hamas, um, Israel's trying to permanently remove them from the Gaza Strip. Key members of the international community in the United States and the United Kingdom, they're really doubling down on calls for the creation of a Palestinian state in all of Judea, Samaria, and Gaza. Back to 67 borders. So, these nations, they're considering official recognition of the Palestinian statehood, while Israel fights to restore order in that region down there, whether or not Israelis and Palestinians support a two-state outcome, let alone are willing to, um, and able to reach an elusive agreement. So, but let's say yet for the international community, there has only been a singular proposal for ending the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and that's to div it's dividing a tiny parcel of land, and it's actually smaller than the than New Jersey, into two separate states for peoples with opposing religions and opposing cultures. It's going to be a nightmare. It's not ever going to bring a true peace. But this is what the international community, the United States, I should say the Biden administration, Europe, and they're all trying to cram down Israel's throat right now, you guys. And it's scripture. It's going to happen. So it's in this context that former U.S. Ambassador to Israel, David Freeman, he just proposed an alternative that recognizes the Jewish state's biblical claims to Judea and Samaria. Now, what he's doing here is going to be from a biblical perspective. The international community is doing it from a very anti-biblical perspective. But I wanted you to hear some things that David Freeman talks about because it's very relevant to an end-time prophecy uh, the prophesied agreement. Friedman uh, just on uh, just recently unveiled a paradigm shifting proposal calling for full Israeli sovereignty over Judea Samaria and the Jordan Valley. And the plan is called the future of Judea and Samaria. And it, it was devised by the former ambassadors Friedman Center for Peace through Strength and that seeks to deliver a solution that um, protects Israel's security and respects, get this, biblical covenants and affords civil rights and human dignity to all. When it said biblical covenants, I was like, this is awesome. I don't think they'll sign. Matter of fact, I know they won't sign this. But I wanted to go over it with you because this is what, if they were going to sign anything, they should sign this. So the Friedman Center and this vision for the future, it seeks to extend Israel's sovereignty through these disputed areas as part of a, um, let's say, a, a tripartite agreement 
between the Jewish state, the United States, and an expanded group of Muslim countries that have normalized ties with Israel under the Abraham Accords. So they asked um, a, a, a question here to, in this interview, they asked David Friedman, under the Trump administration, who was our um, secretary, or the uh, ambassador to Israel, they asked him a question. They said, Ambassador, on February 23rd, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken appeared to reverse the Trump administration's Pompeo Doctrine, which stated that civilian Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria were not necessarily illegal according to international law. Blinken is now saying that they are. They said, what do you think about this? And Friedman's response was this, and this is my whole reason for going over this with you today, in light of Bible prophecy. He says this, and I'm quoting. He said, first of all, I think it's wrong, and it is very wrong. He says the Trump plan proposed the largest retention by Israel of land in Judea and Samaria of any plan that was ever promulgated. If it was illegal, we wouldn't have done it. We studied the issue and concluded that it wasn't illegal. And he said, in the simplest sense, and this is the true narrative. You always hear the false narrative in the news. I want you to hear the true narrative today. In the simplest sense, lots of different territories were divided after World War I, after the defeat of the Ottoman Empire, and were handed off to various territorial mandates. The Jewish people were the only nation who were assured of any rights to Palestine at the 1920 San Remo Conference. The Jews were recognized as having a legal entitlement to Palestine, and nobody else was. The actual title to the land was given to the Jews. The land they have now was originally Palestine. And so the Ottomans, they had it for 400 years, and then they, relinqu they relinquished all claims to the land. The British were given the land in a trust. And they weren't supposed to keep the land. 72% of the land was peeled off and given to Jordan. That was the entire British mandate. Well, now there are no Arab countries with a claim to the land. So if you look at all the potential claimants, the Ottomans, the British, the Jordanians, they all walked away from the territory. Meanwhile, the Palestinians never had any claim. Folks, you're not going to hear that on the nightly news. The Jewish people have a claim. Listen at this very closely. Remember Bible prophecy. God told Abraham, Abraham, I'll give this to your descendants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the river in Egypt, all the way up to the great river, the river Euphrates. David Friedman says this, the Jewish people have a claim based on biblical history, the covenant God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Folks, we have been teaching for years. My father-in-law taught this for decades, that there's going to be an Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement signed, and the agreement, the covenant that is confirmed in Daniel 9.27, would be the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant between Abraham and his descendants and God. And then when you go to Isaac, the Lord tells, tells Isaac, with your father. And then Jacob, he says, with your, fa with your fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and now you, Jacob. This is exactly what David Freeman is talking about. So you catch that? 
U.S. Ambassador to Israel David Freeman says the Jewish people have a claim based on biblical history, the covenant God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The international community is teaching an absolutely false doctrine, everybody. And this is the exact covenant Daniel prophesied about in Daniel 9.27. Folks, it's a 2,500-year-old prophecy, and they're talking about it in our news headlines today in 2024. It's the exact thing. But some people, you know, ah, we're really not in the end time. And I'm like, oh, man, what, 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 where's everybody at? It's only, you know that at the first coming of Jesus Christ, when he came, he came to die 2,000 years ago. Most of the world missed it. Why did they miss it? Because they did not understand the prophecies of the Bible. But for those that were watching and looking for him, they recognized it when the Messiah came. Now here we are, 2,000 years later, and most of the world is going to miss. It's, the Bible says it will come as a thief in the night, except the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, that, you're not, that um, you're not children of the night that that day should take you unawares. That there are people who are watching, they're diligent, they know what the Bible says, they know what the prophecies say, and the Apostle Paul said, that day is not going to overtake you as a thief in the night. And then he says, so watch and be sober. And so I don't want to miss it, I don't want you to miss it, and I don't want all of our friends, family, and sphere of influence to miss it. Because I want everybody to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And if everybody's oblivious to it, there's no sense of urgency. I mean, just, you know, I'm just ambling along. No, 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 no. That's not, not, not what we're going to do. I'm going to make sure that you know what's coming. You know the truth about it. We're not paying attention to any false narratives. And I'm going to prepare all of us. I'm going to at least share the gospel with you so that you know exactly what to do to prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important in all of our lives. Yes, our family is important, our, our job, and all this other stuff that we have to do to occupy till he comes. But in the end, my relationship with Jesus Christ, and am I prepared to meet him when that trumpet sounds? That's absolutely numero uno, everybody. I've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I've got to have my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so that's the most important thing, and that's why we are here. We want to help prepare you and teach you and, and help guide you in your spiritual relationship and, and with the Lord and everything to make sure you're prepared for the soon return of Jesus Christ to the earth. This is called the End Time Show. And we teach the gospel of the kingdom of God to this entire world because the end time is now. And that's the most important thing to us, preparing people for the second coming. So that's what we're doing. Again, remember, I, uh, my wife and I will be in um, Gainesville, Florida this weekend. All the information is on our website, endtime.com, and you can go to the events tab or just go to endtime.com slash events or go to endtime.com, the events tab, the conference uh, tab there, and it, got, it has all the information to get you to the conference this weekend in Gainesville, Texas. Or A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me, and I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before?
one-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 End Time. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning End Time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. All right, welcome back, everybody. Let me make a correction there. I said we're going to be in Gainesville, Texas right there at the end. Uh-uh, Gainesville, Florida. Sorry about that. Uh, I don't want you going to um, the wrong spot. So Gainesville, Florida. We'll be there. Meet you there this weekend. Okay, really quick. I got a place that I don't want to break into here, uh, a portion of the program. So let me go to Ready Pantry really quick, and then we'll get into this next segment here. Um, you know, as Americans, sure, we want to believe that the grocery stores and, and well, they're always going to be there. And, and But we saw a few years ago that supply chains could quickly collapse food supplies could diminish, and, you know, we've got to pray for the best, and, but we need to prepare, right? So what if there was a way that you had an affordable three-month emergency supply of food? Well, there is. ReadyPantry.com slash endtime offers this amazing 25-year shelf-stable food. It includes meals for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and even dessert, and not to mention the peace of mind that you get just knowing that you have an emergency supply of food for, for anything. Ready Pantry is an American-based company. All the products are sourced here in America. It's not going to be frozen from China and being in the freezer for 18 years. No, you're not going to be disappointed with it. And there are many long-term food storage companies that on the Internet, they're selling food that's been on their shelves for years. Ready Pantry doesn't do that. They give the freshest products, and that was packaged within the last couple months, and that's what's being delivered to your door. Ready Pantry, they offer these discounts of up to 20% off for 3 to 12 month supplies. Go to readypantry.com slash endtime. Use code endtime to save an additional 10% off your order, plus free shipping on all orders, and you can stock your pantry with buy now, pay later options. And that's available at checkout by going to readypantry.com slash endtime. Okay. Now, I wanted to walk you through something today because um, I, I, I get sent videos all the time. I mean, I get sent, you can't even imagine, and books and articles, and, and, and I appreciate all of it. Uh, but I've learned over the years that I've got, to, I've got to skim through and find things I can use and then things I can't use, I just got to move on. So there's no way. I mean, it looks like a library up there in my office. So. I had a guy send me a video just prior to going on the air, and I thought, man, I've got a, you know, I, I, I've got a, just a few minutes here. I clicked on it, watched about the first five minutes, and my ears about blew off the side of my head because 
the, the video was about wokeness, Hollywood, different things creeping into our churches. And I thought, stop the presses. I got to talk about this today. Because there's, th this is the most important thing in our lives, folks. The thesis of this entire Bible is your relationship with God and your relationship with your fellow man. And so my relationship with God, a lot of that centers around what am I taught from church, the teachings, the doctrines of the Bible, my relationship with um, Jesus Christ, my relationship with my fellow man. And our churches are away. God built the church, you understand. And so I, God came to build a church. And so church is very, very, very important. And so when I watched this and I saw what some of the stuff that's creeping into our churches, I'm like, no, 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 we got to talk about this. So I want to talk to you today about wokeness, Hollywood, and different things creeping into our churches. So L, think about this, LGBTQIA+, CRT, critical race theory, DEI, ESG, all these different things, Planned Parenthood, Hollywood's moral compass. Think about that. Hollywood's moral compass. You say, what are you talking about? In the video I watched. So I, there is a, I guess, um, I don't know even what her name is. I think it's Miley Cyrus. I guess she put out a video where she is on a big wrecking ball. And I guess she's nude. And so swinging back on forth on a wrecking ball, okay? Well, some people in a church, they, they used that scenario in their church service and they were trying to prove a point of something. And I'm like, you have got, they had a giant wrecking ball up on the platform and somebody swinging across there mimicking Miley Cyrus, now the person wasn't nude, but still bringing Hollywood into the church. And I saw a lot of different things. I'm not going to mention all of it, but I'm talking about today bringing in the world into the church, folks. That's the most absolute dangerous thing you can do besides bringing it into your home. And many other things in our churches, these things causing churches to water down doctrines because they're trying to bring the world in, and to conform with the world, I've got to water down the doctrines that we've been taught, the doctrines of the Bible and their messages. Water it down, water it down. I can't mention that, can't mention this. Be careful for this. Now, folks, I was raised by Irvin Baxter and different men of God, and it was hellfire brimstone, and they taught it in love, trying to save us, but I was raised in old school Get in the pulpit and let it rip. Whatever God gave you, you go after it. Don't, it, I don't want anybody to worry about, I don't want the pastor to say, well, I wonder what Dave Robbins is going to think about this. I probably ought not. No, no, pastor. You teach it to me straight because I want you to get me to heaven. I want you to teach me what I need to know. If God laid something on your heart for me, let me have it because I want to go to heaven. We're not, we can't water down the doctrines of the Bible, and we can't water down our messages, folks, to appease people that are worldly. We've got to teach the doctrines of the Bible. The Bible says it's going to be like this in the end times. 1 Timothy 4, 1-3, the Bible says, 
Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The Bible prophesies it's going to be like this mess. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Folks, you need to be transparent before God and say, God, if I'm doing something I shouldn't do, man, let the preacher get in that pulpit and let me have it. Drive it out of me because I want to make it to heaven. That's the goal in all of this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1-4. through 4, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his come and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, the thing that will save them. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. But there are people because of these things that are, we're allowing into our churches that they've, they've turned their ears away from the truth and they shall be turned unto fables. Folks, I'm in the Word of God today. This is the Bible. This is what they're saying. They're warning us against. Don't allow this to happen in the end time. Matthew 24, 3 through 5. Jesus said, uh, the Bible says, And they sat him down on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him and said, Lord, tell us, when are these things going to be? What's going to be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, the first thing out of his mouth, take heed that no man deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, or I'm Christian. I'm coming with a Christian message. But Jesus said, they're going to be deceiving many. Now, folks, the Bible says it's going to be like this in the end time. There will be true churches. I, I am affiliated with churches all over that will not compromise the message. It's very, very important. Because I'm trying to get people to heaven. You water down the doctrines, you're not going to get people there. You allow Hollywood and all this other stuff to come in and start setting the church's moral compass and to start, uh, we start aligning with that stuff and uh-uh, it doesn't work. It's not going to work. We've got to stick by the doctrines of the Bible. So what do we do? We're going to hold to the doctrines, folks. In Acts 2.42, post their born-again experience, the Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Yes, you need to have fellowship. You need to, you need to study the Word of God. You need to pray. But they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They got at the apostles' feet and they listened to the doctrine. They didn't water down the doctrine. They told them what they needed to do to be saved and the people either aligned up with it or they moved on. 1 Timothy 4.16, the Bible says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, the apostles' doctrine that is taught to us in the Word of God. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. If you're a man or a woman of God that is preaching in a pulpit, we are held accountable by God for what we teach and preach. And I've got to teach the truth. I can't water down my doctrine because somebody wants to bring in Hollywood into our church. Can't, nope, can't do that. Uh-uh. No, Hollywood's not going to set the moral doctrine for our church. No way. 
No, 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 not, that's not going to work. We're going to follow by these doctrines because I want to go to heaven. Very, very important. I remember my father-in-law years ago, Irvin Baxter. I was raised in his church. Almost every Wednesday night, we would, put, we would have to go in by his office and bring, carry in the old green chalkboard. And he would stand there and he would say, okay, here's what we're going to learn about tonight. And he would put the topic up on top of the green chalkboard and he would write, here's what we're talking about and here's the verses. Boom. Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19, Acts and, or uh, Ephesians or whatever. And he would just write that down. That happened my whole life, you guys. That's how I was raised. Irvin Baxter was one of the greatest teachers i ever known, but he didn't water down anything. No, no. Irvin Baxter was as straight as an arrow. And guess what? I know where he's at, and that's where I want to go. So I can't come in behind Irvin Baxter and say, well, you know, I know Irvin Baxter taught this, but nope, it's not going to happen. Folks, we're teaching the doctrines of the Bible, and we're going to hold to them because the Bible says in doing that, you'll save yourself and them that hear you. So what did they, what were they talking about? The apostles' doctrine. There are many doctrines, but I want to kind of go over Hebrews 6, 1 through 2 because there are people that are watering these things down, allowing in things. You know, people that are allowing in, um, you know, ordaining LGBTQ members into their pulpits as, as pastors. The Bible says, these shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And it talks about people in the LGBT community. How, how can I ordain them into our pulpits, folks? That, that doesn't work. That doesn't align up with the word. That's diametrically opposed to the word of God. That's like, but the Bible in the same, in 1 Corinthians 6, talks about adulterers and fornicators and all kinds of stuff. And no, 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 it doesn't work. You got to teach on sin. So, Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, the Apostles' Doctrine, and many other doctrines. I'm going to hold to these today. Probably all have time to do. But we're going to go through Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, and talk about these, these doctrines. The Bible says, hold to the doctrine. And we're not going to, we're not going to water these doctrines down to try to conform to Hollywood, or to the news media, or to the false narratives that are being pushed into social justice things, and all this other stuff. I believe in teaching the truth to people. I don't care what color they are. I don't care what their history is. I don't care their background. I don't care what sin they've done. I don't care if what, I, I don't care about any of that stuff. What I care about is you're a soul and get in here and let me teach you about the gospel of the kingdom of God so you can have an opportunity to go to heaven to be with Jesus for eternity. That's all that matters. And all of the rest of this stuff that's trying to creep in can't do that. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere.
right, everybody, here we go. And I'm telling you, <clears throat> isn't it refreshing for a man of God to step in a pulpit and say, look, thus saith the word of the Lord and teach you the truth. Man, it just, it, it can wash, it can wash, it feels like you're just getting your soul washed. So the apostles' doctrine. Let's go through Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 really quick. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. It doesn't mean, let's leave that behind, let's leave that and, and uh, forget about that and don't, no, no. It's the, the doctrines of Christ and everything that that entails. The Bible says, let's, let's not continue with those elementary different things. Let's, we've got that settled. You settle that. Then let us move on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God and of the doctrine of baptisms, plural, S on the end, and the laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. There are people that are watering down these doctrines today, and oh no, 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 it can't do that. So what we're talking to here in Hebrews, these people were saved and had the principles of the doctrine down pat. And he, he, the writer of Hebrews is urging them to leave the principles of the doctrine and go on to perfection. All of us need a clear understanding of what the doctrine of Christ really is. And perfection means to grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And these are the foundational doctrines of Christianity. The first step in, the, in coming to God is to repent. Uh, repent from um, works that, should, uh, that you should die from in your life. Uh, the Bible says the works of the flesh are fornication, adultery, lying, stealing, wrath, jealousy, strife. I mean, it's just sin. And these are the things that we need to lay aside once we become part of Jesus Christ and be, by being born again. And the, you, in other words, I, people can't come into the church and I can say, oh, yeah, you've repented and you're born again. Now go ahead and keep sinning like you were and it's all good. You know, no. Repentance means to turn away from the doctrine of repentance from dead works. It's one of the foundational doctrines. Dying to self, it really encapsulates this entire concept. We die to the flesh, no longer living after the flesh, but now we live after the Spirit. It, it's, a, it's a new concept to a lot of people, but when you're born again, you, you go away from your old lifestyle, and you start living a Christian lifestyle unto Jesus Christ. And second, the Bible says our faith towards God. What is our faith towards God? Well, that He died and was buried and raised again for us. And through accepting the death, burial, and resurrection, we are redeemed. I want to be redeemed when that trumpet sounds. And our penalty for sin is paid through the death, and we receive that when we're baptized into Jesus Christ. The Bible says, um, Know ye not that so many as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was, that, uh, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. That's, um, oh man, Romans 6, 3 through 4. So, when we are baptized into His death, our sins are remitted or paid for. And we, we pass from death to life. We are delivered from the law of sin and death, which is, uh, that's um, Ezekiel 18.4. The soul that sins, it's got to die. And we are translated uh, into a new law. I'm not under the law anymore. 
I'm under the new covenant. And the law of liberty in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. That's Romans chapter 8. So we transition out of the Old Testament into the New Testament, and that is what faith towards God is all about. These are doctrines. These are foundational doctrines. This is the reason we can say, there is this, Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The soul that sins, it's got to die. Okay? These are doctrines. And I can't let the world or Satan come in and cause me as a man or a, a woman of God that's called by God to minister in a pulpit to water that message down. Uh-uh. Can't do that. Absolutely not. I've got to teach it straight. I've got to teach these doctrines just like the apostles taught them. The Bible says, if anyone, even an angel from heaven, comes teaching any other doctrine, let them be accursed. These are very, these are very weighty matters in the Word of God and in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So how do we get in Christ Jesus? Well, we do that by being born again. When we're born again into Christ Jesus, we are born into the family of God. You become part of the bride of Christ. The third doctrine, I'm, I'm going to try to get them all done by the time they end the program. The third doctrine is the doctrine of baptisms, plural. Th this is interesting because Ephesians 4, 5 tells us there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. The passage in Hebrews uses the word baptisms, plural. And this is not contradicting the other scripture because the one baptism of Ephesians 4 is referring to the one mode of water baptism. And there was only one mode of water baptism used in the entire New Testament church. The Bible teaches another baptism, uh, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I know that many, 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 many of you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when Jesus talked to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born of the water and the Spirit. That's in John 3. And there is a water baptism, and then there's a spirit baptism, which is what this scripture is referring to, the doctrine of baptisms. There's another doctor, uh, doctrine that refers to the, the laying on of hands. And in our churches, it's very common that uh, you would, somebody would come, maybe come down to an altar to pray, or even at their seat, maybe come up and lay hands on them. That's scriptural. Uh, if you read the book of Acts, we know the apostles laid hands on people and transferred to them the power of the Holy Ghost that they had in them. The Bible teaches, if there are any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church, and they will anoint them with oil and lay hands upon them. I've, I've seen it done and done it thousands and thousands of times. The prayer of the faith, the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up. I've seen people healed. I've been healed myself, and it, there's, there's nothing like that. The easiest way to teach the laying on of hands is to, um, my, my father-in-law used to say it was like kind of like jumper cables. I mean, have you ever had a dead battery and someone comes along and gives you a jump? Well, that's sort of the way laying on of hands works. And this is a doctrine in the Bible. Read Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. If your spiritual battery is dead, you can come up at maybe in an altar call. I've seen it happen, I don't know, a lot of times at an altar. Come up, the pastor or maybe one of the ministers or somebody will lay hands upon you. And hopefully they're not two dead batteries, right? <laughs> hopefully the preacher's got something in there. And the preacher is charged up, and when they, or whoever, they lay hands upon you, and boom, you feel a move of the, whole, a move of the presence of God, the move of the Holy Ghost. 
So the Bible says to lay hands on no man suddenly. There was a time in the Bible when there were people who were laying hands on people and didn't have a right to because they didn't know what they were doing. So they were just kind of, of um, copycatting the apostles. Well, a man was possessed of a devil and they laid hands upon him and said, We adjure you through the name of Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And they had a third hand um, relationship with Jesus Christ. They didn't have a personal relationship with him. So they didn't have the power. Well, they were casting out devils in the name of Jesus Christ, whom Paul preached. They didn't really know Jesus Christ for themselves. Well, guess what happened? There was more power in the man that had the demon than they, that had, than they had. He had more power than they had, and the juices flowed the wrong way. And the Bible says the devil jumped on them and beat them, and they fled naked. So, I can tell you, the way I was raised, and, and me personally, I don't lay hands on people indiscriminately. Some people aren't ready to have hands laid on them. I mean, they have a, they've got a dead short, and, and it won't do them any good. You have to fix the dead short before it's time to lay hands on people and get them back on the road again. Now, that's, that's a whole other discussion that we could have in the future, but some people, I've went up and prayed, laid hands upon them, and they've got an attitude, or they're just, you know, something. It's a dead short. And they need to get that taken care of really before you can lay hands upon them and it'll take effect. A dead short, an a, a bad attitude, um, something about uh, a, 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 um, <clears throat> a grudge against somebody. Those are dead shorts. You got to get that taken care of. The Bible says leave your gift at the altar, go get that taken care of, then come back. And those are the ones that you can lay hands on. Okay? This is Bible 101, guys. Then there is the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. There were people in Jesus' day who did not believe the dead would raise. And we have infallible and irrefutable proof that the dead do raise because Jesus rose from the dead. 500 people saw him at one time. The Pharisees and the high priests, they paid large sums of money to keep the, the um, soldiers quiet concerning what happened at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They paid them to lie, but none of it worked. We have infallible proof Jesus rose from the dead because... Because he rose from the dead, that gives all of us the same hope that we too shall raise from the dead. The Bible says, um, <clears throat> Romans 8, If the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by the spirit that dwelleth in you. That's why you must have the spirit of God residing in you. You've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When that trumpet sounds... I want this mortal body to put on immortality and be caught up to meet him in the air. And then, of course, the last of these six principles of the doctrine is the doctrine of eternal judgment. Boy, is that getting watered down in our churches today. Man, th there are churches that will never mention the name of hell. You can go there for years and not hear a message on hell or eternal judgment. And, folks, that's one of the, the doctrines in the Bible. It's not a very popular doctrine today, but it is a biblical doctrine. It's one of the foundational principal doctrines of the New Testament church. This doctrine teaches every human being is going to spend eternity somewhere, either in the, the glories of heaven with Jesus Christ or in the lake of fire with Satan. And we don't want one person to go to the lake of fire. The bad thing is many people are going to go there. This is, this is what the Bible says. So we each have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And the stakes are as high as it gets. And in this salvation business, they're just as high as anything you'll ever experience. And this is more critical to you 
than whether your business goes bankrupt or not. I'm telling you, your eternal salvation, and this is more critical than anything you will ever deal with in your entire life because the stakes are eternal. And so it's of utmost importance. I wanted to talk to you about this today because I recognize, I'm around churches all the time, and different people from different denominations and things talking to me, and I see things creeping in. And I'm like, nope. And I've had people try to draw me one way or another in different things. And I've got to say, no, sir, I'm, I'm sorry, but I've got a foundation so deep, and it's been put there by pastors and preachers and evangelists over the years, and by my own studies and teaching Bible studies, uh-uh. I've got a foundation that goes very, very, very deep. And when you try to get me to preach something different or talk about something different than these doctrines in the Bible, uh-uh, I can't move off of these doctrines. And I'm encouraging you today, make sure that in these end times, the Bible says in the end times, men will move away. But in these end times, make absolutely sure that you are in a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church that will not water down the doctrine. I, all of the doctrines. I'm, only, I'm hitting some. There's many. But I want to make sure that we're in churches that does not water down the message. We're going to teach the absolute straight truth because that's the only way we're going to be saved. The Bible says hold to these doctrines because in doing so, you'll save yourself and them that hear you. So, folks, I just wanted to come out to you today to make sure we're not watering down this message. We're going to teach this message straight because guess what? I want to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I know you do too.